Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Well, good morning. It's so good to see you. Looking forward to seeing you in just a couple of weeks. Hey, let me just uh, reiterate some of the things that we've been talking about. Boy, it's great to see you online today. Let me know uh, where you're watching from and who's watching with you. Uh, And if if some good things have been going on in your life, remember, the 31st, we're going to go back to... uh, opening up the campus. Our first service will be a family-friendly, which means that that'll be family, kids, and everyone in here. We'll let you know as soon as we can about the other. I hope we can do that really, really soon and quick. Uh, But you need to go on and register. We have set up for 540 chairs, but with social distancing, I guess that'll mean around 200, 225, I don't know. So we're um, going to do our best to do that if um, the service starts at on time, but at 10 minutes till, we're releasing all seats. So if you've registered for a service and you haven't shown up and somebody hasn't registered and uh, maybe they just saw it in the news media or on the advertising and they show up, then at 10 minutes till, we're releasing all seats. So that means when you get here, if you get here late and when the church service starts, we lock the doors. That's how we always do. So um, maybe, maybe your normal used to be you'd show up at 10 after. Well, you've just missed being in the sanctuary, all right? So I hope that you get here. Remember, on time is late, so you need to be here at least 10 minutes till. So help us with that, and you will be, be seated when you come in. We have to do that. I mean, we still have two, three weeks out. Maybe the governor will say, you know, it's, it's wide open, so we hope to do that. But uh, up to that time, and it may not be your regular seat, so cooperate with our ushers as they bring you in and seat you. Just changing a seat will not make you lose your salvation, I hope, okay? Hey, you have your Bible with you today. Let's hold up our Bible. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Well... If you want to open your Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. We'll go there where we were last week. But right now, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for being with us. And I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would anoint me and let your word come forth in truth and revelation. Without you, it's just empty words. But with you, you can take words and you can make them supernatural that affect our life. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so we're in this series called Essentials, and this is the third week of that. Hang on a second. I should never do that, but I had a cough drop in my mouth, and so I've got two strikes already. My mic wasn't on in the foyer, and I came up here with the coffee, coffee, so I hope I don't spill this coffee, all right? So we're going to talk about essentials again. If you were to ask uh, a biologist, you know, we've been hearing that word over and over, essential and non-essential. If you were to ask a biologist what's essential, they'd say air, food, water, light. If you ask a nutritionist, 
They might say trace minerals, important vitamins. If you ask a survivalist, they might say my shotgun, bottled water, and a bunker. If you ask a politician what is essential, they'll tell you what's essential according to their political agenda. Yeah, we've been hearing a lot of that. I'm with you. Enough is enough, all right? Let's get on with getting this nation back to where it should be even better, and let's quit this fearful, constant struggling with fear, all right? So that's my little soapbox there. So anyway, what it is. What is essential? Well, we started two weeks ago saying essential is, first of all, I am essential. Would you say that with me? I am essential. Just post that. Put I there or a thumbs up. I'm essential. We said Ephesians 1 and 4, just as he chose us in him, chose us. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love. And Ephesians 2 and 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ for what? Good works. Say it again. Good works. I know you may feel uncomfortable there in your house, but go ahead and say, I was made for some good works. Go ahead and say that. And God did that, planned that beforehand that we should walk in them. Good works. He planned us to do good works. So if I realize that I am essential according to the Creator's plan, and before the foundation of the earth, He created uh, a work or some works for me to do, then I need to ask myself, what is essential? What is essential in my life to do those good works? In fact, why don't you help me? Why don't you just post there on the chat what you think would be essential if we're going to do this work of the Lord that he wants us to do, then what are some of the essential things? So just go ahead and post that. Somebody may say, well, I, I think the word is essential. Yeah, for sure. Or somebody say, it's, it's prayer or, or be obedience or uh, connecting with others in a life group or renewing our mind. So what would you consider essential in your life to be essential that God wants us to be? I think maybe we should ask the Creator what He thinks is essential. In fact, in Matthew chapter 22, if you want to turn there, some religious leaders asked Jesus a question like this uh, hundreds of years ago. They simply said, what is essential? Now, the reason they said that is because they had 613 documented commands that they were to keep. 613. And we struggle with 10? Come on. All right? 613. And so they said, which is the most important? Which one should is, is essential that I should really worry about? So let's see what Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law, or what is e essential? And Jesus said, won't you read it out loud with me? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Here's a loose translation, a loose tr paraphrase. Guys, instead of trying to focus on all of the rules, just try this. Love God. If you love God, you'll do the things that you ought to do that are essential in your life. Love God. Love God. 
Let me ask you this question. Do you love God? Now, if I ask almost anybody on the street or anywhere, I would say, do you love God? People say, well, of course I love God. Of course I do. Well, what does that mean, love God? What if somebody that from outer space came and we said, you know, it's essential that we love God. And so you sat down and they said, well, what does that mean to love God? You know, I love my dog. Is that the same way? You know, I love my motorcycle. Is that the same way? What do you, what do you mean, love God? In fact, if I were to ask today for you to post your definition of love, you know what? There would be a lot of different definitions of love. I was thinking this week about even if you just listen to uh, all the love songs through the years the, uh, and tried out of all of those love songs to make a, diff- a definition of love, it would be very difficult. Hey, I'll read some of these to you, but what about you? What's your favorite love song? Uh, of all time, what is your favorite love time? My wife just said, Endless Love. I, I don't know what yours might be. You just let me know. So here, here are some famous songs through the years. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Here's another one. Love is a many splendid thing. Another one, love is the answer. Led Zeppelin reminded us that we need a whole lot of love, right? Listen to this song. I said I love you, but I lied. Hmm. The Black Eyed Peas asked, where is the love? Dionne Warwick said, I will never love this way again. And my favorite, Tina, what's love got to do with it? I mean, I don't like the song, but I like Tina. I've, I've seen her live, and, and, and she wasn't dead, and it was good. Sorry, I got off on the wrong tangent. And some of you, of course, your song came from Meatloaf, who said uh, uh, he'd do anything for love, right? Do <laughs> you remember that? And then Bread said, I'd be lost without your love. And, of course, the all-time great from the Beatles, all you need is love. But here's what Jesus said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. With my heart, that means my, my spirit man. My heart, what it's referring here, is how I connect with God. Have I connected with God? So I'm going to love him. I make my connection in my, uh, in my heart or in my spirit. With all my soul is my emotional uh, being. So I'm going to love him with feelings. And then with my mind, it's, it's, the, it's the mind that directs me either towards the spirit life or the life of flesh. So he says, you love the Lord your God. But I often think that there are obstacles to people loving God. I think one of those obstacles is they just don't know God. They don't know him. Do you know him? Or is he just a God that you created in your head? I hear people say something like this all the time. Well, you know, my God is a loving God, and he would never send anybody to hell. Or somebody will say this. Listen to this. They create their own God. My God sent me this man or this woman. Now, we're not married but we live together and we play house. And my God sent me this person and it's okay to live the way that I'm living because that's my God. Isn't it strange that we try to invent a God that's not the God of the Bible? Listen, you cannot edit God. If God sent you the right man or the woman, then you need to put a ring on it 
before you start living together out of the God of this Bible. Quit trying to create your own God. You don't know God if you try to create a God only in your mind. Some people say, well, I know my lifestyle may not be what you like, but you know, God understands and my God accepts me the way that I'm. He loves you the way that you are, but to accept the lifestyle that you're living, I don't think so. You see, the object is not that I make God in my image, but the object is I make me in his image. I think another thing that uh, hinders people from loving God is that they fear him. And I know that there's a thing called uh, a respect, which we sometimes say is fear. But I'm talking about that fear that you feel like he's holding a hammer over your head. And as soon as you make a mistake, he's going to get you for that. And so all of your life is like you, you struggle to please him. And you never know that he just loves you the way that you are. I, I mean, while you were yet a sinner, he died for you. So sometimes it's fear. Sometimes people don't love God because God in, inhibits uh, their conduct. You know, they don't want to talk about eternity because they have no hopes for eternity to really be there. But I mean, just think about this. I'm not going to go down this trail, but I just thought about this. What would be the characteristics that you would look for in someone that you said they really love God? What characteristics would you look that you say, well, that person, I know they really love God, but why do you know they love God? What are the characteristics that you would see? You can't read their mind. You can't read their heart. We hear a lot of people say, oh, I love God. God's so wonderful to me. Then how would you know that they love God? Well, let me think about that. Let me, let me think about it like this. How do you like to be loved? Or how do you love to be loved? Gary Chapman, in his book, The Five Love Languages, talked about how that love is expressed and received differently in a lot of different people. And he says there are basically five love languages. The first is words of affirmation. If you, love, if you have that love language and you want to be loved by words of affirmation, you love things like, oh, I love you. You did a great job. I'm so proud of you. The second one is physical touch, a hug, uh, holding hands, a cuddle on the couch, or more if you're married, uh, quality time. Uh, lazy breakfast spent together, uh, a stroll through the park, an unplugged evening. It's just that quality time of being together. Or maybe it's gifts. It's a piece of jewelry, sports equipment, uh, electronic gadget, a new shirt, new uh, blouse, pair of shoes. Or maybe it's acts of service, number five. They cook a meal for you. They wash the car, take out the garbage, let you sleep in. So what's your love language? Why don't you just post that and let me know. What is your love language? Well, my love language is gifts and, I, and touch. I, I have those two love languages that, that are mine. And Anita's love language is, uh, is words of affirmation. Now, what I tend to do is I tend, um, in the very beginning of our marriage, and sometimes I slip up, I tend to love her in the way that I want to be loved. I love to buy gifts. And so I'll buy her a gift and... Uh, and I'll maybe get a card, and Anita spends more time in seeing the words that I write in the card than, than the gift. And she'll say, oh, you don't need to give me a gift. I don't say that. I've never said you don't have to give me a gift. Because there were holidays in the beginning of our marriage that she was so frustrated she didn't give me a gift. And I felt like she didn't love me. And I've got emotional scars to this day. No, listen. 
We all do the same thing because that we tend to love others the way we want to be loved. But have you ever thought about this? What's God's love language? We say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm loving God the best I know how to do. But what if God has a love language? Are you loving him in his language? If God has a love language, what is it? Don't just love God in the way that you think that you should or you want to do that. So what's God's love language? Well, let's jump into this. John 14 and 15. John 14 and 15. You probably could quote this one. That entire passage is good down to the verse 24. But he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. That word obey there is a, what we call a future active verb. And it just simply means this. It means that as long as we love Jesus, we will be keeping his commandments. As long as we love Jesus, we'll be keeping his commandments. Let me read that to you from the Passion Translation. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately, what does that mean, passionately? What do you think? Whoever passionately uh, loves me will be passionately loved by my Father. And I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. But those who don't love me will not obey my words. Now, let's not be too hasty to say, well, love means obedience to God's command. Let's don't be too hasty with that because I know somebody might look at that and say, well, according to this, then he said that if you love, then you obey my commandments. So then love must equal a, a keeping commandments. But let's don't jump ahead. So it says, if you love me, if you love me, then you might add there in your Bible, then you will obey my commandments. If you love me. You see, the result of love is keeping his commandments. He's not saying, here it is, if you love me equals keeping my commandments. No, he doesn't say that. He says, the result, the expression of loving me will be that you keep my commandments. Um, first John goes into this a little bit more and talks about how that this all relates together. So I just think maybe it might be good we can just sort of look at it like this. This is a great, great passage. And it says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. I want you to look at that phrase, born of God, born of God. That's a miracle right there. Well, how did I become born of God? Well, he says, whoever, look at this, believes, there's the believing. It's not, I don't become a follower uh, of Christ because I do something, but it's because I believe. I believe. So what do I believe? I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe that Jesus is is the Christ. So I believe that. It all starts with, I believe. And everyone, look at this, who loves him, look at that, who begot also loves him, who is begotten of him. So he says, if you love me, if you love me, then here's what you're going to do. You're going to love other fellow followers of Christ. So, 
He says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God. Look at this. This is the love of God. What is the love of God? That we keep his commandments. This is the love of God. This is God's love language that we keep his commandments. But he doesn't end there. He says, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory. We'll come back to that. But I want you to look at this. He doesn't say obedience to the commands is how you love me. But he said, you love me in such a way that that commandment, whatever you do, is not burdensome. In other words, I, I don't do these things. I don't read the Bible. You know, we hear a lot, well, you should read the Bible. Uh, you should join a church. You should get in a small group. Uh, you should pray. And so we look at all those you shoulds. And, and what happens is sometimes they become burdensome because we say, how much should I pray? How long should I pray? I don't pray like somebody else. What do you mean I should serve? Serve? You mean church is going to open back up and we got those little kids next door and you're asking me out of all this pandemic now to come back and serve? I, I can't believe you asked me to do that. It becomes burdensome. But he says, no, you've got to understand God's love language is this. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments in such a way that they're not burdensome, but they are a blessing. Say blessings. They're a blessing. So if I, and if I'm looking at this and, and grammatically look at this, he says, if I'm praying out of it's a burden that I've got to, if I'm serving next door out of I've got to, then I need to question Am I really loving God? Or am I just going through the motions? Wow. This, this is really interesting. Look at this. And he says, and, continuing that whole thing, his commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God overcomes. Look at this. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. See, so I am born of God. Back to here, remember? I am born of God. So he says, if I'm really born of God, then there is an ability somehow in that believing that no longer am I affected by the world, by the world that would keep me from loving God. He says, and for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, the, the fleshly desires, the things that would try to make make uh, keeping his commandments a burdensome. That's the world. That's the world. That's the way the, the religious system did it, keeping it there. And this is the, look at this. This is the victory. This is the victory that has, here it is again, overcome the world. And he says, it's our faith. It's our faith. Now, here's what's important about that. You got to take that, it's our faith, and you got to take this faith and relate it back to this that I have believed. Because you see, what he's simply saying is, I can never do all of this on my own. But when I believe, then somehow in that believing that Jesus is the Lord, then there is a level of faith that begins to rise in me that I don't keep these works out of a burdensome thing, but I realize 
The reason I can keep them is because Jesus lives in me and he gives me that level of faith as I am a believer and they're no longer a burdensome, but they're a blessing. It's a joy. I get to do these things, not got to. And he says, our faith overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Man, that's an awesome passage. I don't have time to go through all of that. But here's what he's saying. Loving God is keeping his commandments in such a way that they're not burdensome. You say, well, can you, can you help me a little bit more with that? Well, Paul talked about it in Philippians chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. And I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. Paul says, and concerning the righteousness of the Torah or the keeping of the law, no one surpassed me. I was without a peer. Paul says in verse 7, Yet of all the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them and regard it all as nothing compared to the delight, listen to this, of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant let go of everything from my past, throwing all of my boasting into a garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now, so that I may be enriched enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all the greatness. Here's what Paul said. In another translation, Paul said, I kept all the law. He said, I kept it all. I dotted every I, crossed every T. Man, I did it. Everything was brought to me. There was nobody that kept the rules more than me. There was nobody who prayed more to me than me. There was nobody who attended church more than me. There was nobody who served in the church more than me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing for us. There was no one who read the Bible more than me. I did it more than everyone else. But he said, I did it out of acts, and they were burdensome. They weren't a delight. They weren't a joy. But he said, on the day that I believed that Jesus was God, that he revealed himself to me, he said that when I look back at all the things, like, like look at this. He said, when I look back and I say, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, they were all in the commandments, and I did this, and did this, and did this, and did this. But he said, I did it out of my own actions, of wanting to impress, of not wanting to disappoint, to want to show that I could do it. But he said, when I met Jesus Christ, all of this keeping becomes just a pile of manure. Just a pile of manure. He said, I thought they were really, that was what I should do, is just work on keeping all those. But he said, they, did, they stink to God. But when I met Jesus, I no longer did these things out of a burden. But I did them with the reality of, he's my Lord, and I love him. Maybe today I should ask you, the things that you're doing, do you do them out of joy and a blessing? Or are they a burden? 
Lord, you know, I think you're just asking so much for me to show up and volunteer. You're just asking me so much, you know, to, 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 to give in a time like this. Just asking me so much, you know, to pray and, read, and, and so much to come back to church. I'm afraid and I want to come back to church. So what you're saying to me is that all of those things that you once did as normal, they really were just a burden, something you had to do. Keeping his commandments, if we love him, is turned into a privilege and a pleasure. It's not some legalistic burden that I've got to do that I have to do, but I will do. In other words, I don't do those things. I don't volunteer. I don't give and do all those things because, uh, you know, that'll keep me from going to hell. I don't do it because I, I you know, some people say yes, yes to a lot of things because they don't want to disappoint somebody or they're afraid they'll lose their reward. No, loving God is keeping his commandments in such a way that they're not a burden, but they're a joy, and we love him in all of that. Listen, here it is. God's love language is obedience, not in what I have to do, but what I get to do. Why don't you say get to do? I get to do it. It's not a burden, but it's a joy. It's a blessing. Maybe that's what you've been missing. Maybe it's you felt like that I'm just just moving away from God. Maybe it's because you haven't really been loving him out with all of your mind, your soul, and your heart. You've just been serving him out of duty, and it becomes a drudgery. It becomes something you detest. No, let's stop today. Time out. Let's start loving him afresh. You know what's so amazing about God? God loves us in our love language. You ever thought about that? The way that God reached you was through your love language. Maybe your love language was words of affirmation. Listen to what he says. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I will be with you always. I chose you. You're a masterpiece. And so when you hear those words, you think, man, how awesome it is that God loves me. Or maybe your love language is acts of service. Let me remind you how he's reached you like that. He says, I went to the cross. He was humiliated in shame there naked so that you could be clothed with righteousness. Nails in his hands and nails in his feet because he was serving you. Maybe your love language is gifts. The greatest gift of all is that he bought you back. There was a ransom that he paid for your soul. His blood actually paid for your salvation. Physical touch. Aren't you thankful that you can feel the presence of the Lord? I mean, you can be in this building or you can be right where you are there. And right in the middle of a worship song, right in the middle of time of meditating or a scripture, you literally feel the presence of the Lord wrapping his arms around you. Some of you are feeling that right now. Maybe your love language is quality time. That's not just contained to the building on Sunday, but it's Sunday to Sunday, Monday to Monday, Friday to Friday. His presence is always there. But all you have to do is to crawl into his lap. He won't run away. He won't be put off by your failures, but he will love you. 
So my question to you today is, how much of what you do is really a genuine expression of the love of God? And if he does, goes to these great lengths to love us, then what's keeping you from loving him? Today you can call on him and love him. Would you do that right now? Pray this prayer with me. Father God, I thank you for loving me. And I decide today that you come into my life. In Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we'd love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.